Great deal. That's Frank out to deep left field. You can forget it. No ring will stop that one. It goes deep into the seats in left field. George Springer, an absolute no-doubter. 1-0. There's a swing and a high fly ball. Revenge has been struck. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. with a grand slam. 15-1 Toronto. 1-1 pitch. There's a ball ripped down the left field line, hooking into the corner, and it's gone. Danny Jansen continues to pour salt into the wound of the Rays. Two-run home run for Danny Jansen, and it's 20-1. to The Blue Jays absolutely rub the Tampa Bay Rays tonight, and they even up this four-game series at one win apiece with a 20-1 victory at Tropicana Field in St. Petersburg. I don't know. I come back. The Blue Jays are the best team in baseball in one day. Things turn real quick here in the city of Toronto. I'm just saying there's correlation. Back on the fan morning show, Blue Jays win 20 to 1 at the drop. Good vibes are back. Good vibes are back. Yeah, Justin. things turn on a dime. Yep, here we or are. Or when your favorite radio host returns. <laughs> Woo! Fan morning show with Justin and Ailish. Blue Jays. Absolutely. Drub, steamroll, Barris. Did they? That's 20 to 1. Who cares? Yeah, but it was 10 before the fielders came out. A 10 to 1 is still, I think, a 10 to 1 is really good. You'll take 10 to 1 for sure. For sure, for sure, for sure. Uh, but those were some ridiculous numbers. Yeah. At 20 to 1. I just kept like flipping back and forth. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll just quickly flip on the basketball game or the hockey game, which were in its in their own right crazy nights as well. And I'd come back and there's like four more runs scored. It was crazy. What a night! But the Blue Jays needed that. You know, if, whether it was twenty to one, ten to one, it doesn't matter. They needed a massive vibe shift, and hopefully that is the start of something good for the Blue Jays. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think we can break down like. The pitching performance uh, on the other side by the Rays when they had their entire <laughs> player roster pitching, but hey, Grand Slam's a Grand Slam body. It was, but that was like <laughs> the most softball Grand Slam of all time. He struck out the, a I previous know. at bat and I was know. laughing, and I'm like, "This don't come back to haunt you." And then he hits the Grand Slam. So, and that was, was still at the point to me. It was just like, "Okay, what are they going to do here? Like, are we going to finally?" Because I, I think Kiermaier was on second, stopped at third, mm-hmm. and was like, "Oh, this is beginning now." Like, do you stop playing? Is yeah, the question. I thought, I thought it was, okay, they're going to stop playing here. This is where they stop playing, and then Vladdy is hacking. <laughs> Like he's, you know, the the championship softball game is on the line here and the big power hitter that needs to hit the home run because you can only have so many home runs in the game to make sure that the softball game is as as fair as possible. He's up there hacking because he needs to hit one out. That wasn't even like a baseball swing. That was a softball swing. No, he crushed that to the moon. That was like more, more of a exaggerated swing than you would see in a home run derby. You're right. You are right. He, he almost could have pulled something. Exactly. But it was worth it. It was worth <laughs> I it. It's hope nice so. to get a grand slam. It is nice good. to get a home run when you're struggling. And good to see the ball fly out of the ballpark if you're Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and many of the Jays who had successful nights. So they their 19-run win was the second largest margin of victory in franchise history. I think you remember when they beat the Red Sox by 23 runs last year at Fenway. Mm-hmm. But they're also the first team in more than two decades to score 20 runs at the Trop. 
So making some history last night. All 12 Blue Jays players recorded at least one hit, including Kevin Biggio. <laughs> he took a stray from you here. Okay. I wasn't on the show. Do you have Kevin Biggio thoughts? For the last two weeks. But Kevin Biggio has been a point of contention yeah, in my heart just, and frustration. If you've been just hanging out in the dark side of Blue Jays Twitter, it's, it's pretty there. much all Kevin Biggio. But even Kevin Biggio got a hit last night. So things have turned around for the Toronto Blue Jays. And the 20-1 to 1 win is uh, the most extreme of vibes. Is this going to be the moment we look back on this season and say, things changed on Tuesday, May 23rd? I think that's a bit hopeful. <laughs> Romanticizing this I think this that's a bit. A bit, definitely a bit hopeful. Uh, but, but that's the thing. It got out of hand because the Tampa Bay Rays wanted it to get out of hand. Yeah, they kind of threw in the threw, towel. Yeah, they threw in the towel. They threw out two position players to go out there and basically throw up batting practice or something even beyond batting practice. And then they got to turn around and meet Shane McClanahan today. Yeah, that's a so tough it's just like, switch. Yeah, uh, changing speeds, important for pitchers. How about going from Betancourt to McClanahan? Bit of a difference in quality that you're, they're going to see from one pitch to the next. How do you think the guys feel that are chosen to get on the mound? They probably have to have, like, a certain quality. Like, you got to be able to throw it over the strike zone, clearly. Like, you have to be help. able to do that. And there's some guys probably who would really struggle and be, like, walking guys it was would be Rayleigh, a disaster. right? Rayleigh and Betancourt. Betancourt, yeah. there we go. And Nine runs to, scored on those guys. And you have, but you have to be like somewhat. You have to have some humility. You have to be able to handle it. Yeah, you, you gotta would, be able to laugh it like off. Like there'd a be guys bit. who would do that, get hit around, and be just like fuming and never forgive the manager. Like it has to be a certain type of person. Who would you, that be? You could go out there. Oh, and throw I would have some. a blast. You it, would because you're just at this point, you're screwed. The game's over. You might as well have a little fun. And you don't think that Luke Rayleigh is going to be remembering that. He struck up Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Yeah, I mean, I think it'd be hilarious. He goes back in the in the clubhouse, and the guys are like, "Buddy, we owe you a couple beers." Like yeah, that, that was too. Good. You're definitely getting the beers. You're definitely getting some beers. I, I think there, it's a no lose scenario for sure. <laughs> like if you strike out Vladdy, you can always stay. You struck at Vladimir Guerrero Jr., if not, which is awesome. It's a grand slam off you. It's and, also funny, and he also does that. And it's like, oh, we had two extremes. So uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing, but I definitely like a certain type of person. I think would have to be up for that. Yeah, I don't know who is up in. First in line for the Blue Jays if this Dalton were to happen. Show. Really? That's my pick. I could see Whit Merrifield hitting the yeah, mound. Yeah, I could yeah, see Whit doing he it. He would actually probably, I'd actually su- probably surprised if Whit hasn't done it already. He does feel like I bet he there's a way it. we could research this. Where are SportsCenter stats? Are they up yet? They, do they answer our call Someone's going to know in the text line as well when the last time the Blue Jays had used position players to pitch and who those people were. But for me, my first pick would be Whit Merrifield. I feel like they have a lot of options, actually. Wait, p- pitch last year, Danielle. Yeah. I just got in my ear. I knew it. I felt so, it in my heart. There you go. For the Blue Jays? Yeah. Or was it the, the Royals? For the, Jays. For, the, for the Jays? So there you go. So we can't complain that much. He so. might be six in the rotation. <laughs> there you go. But you Forget saw Hanjun Ryu content yesterday. There's a lot of stuff out of last night's Blue Jays game. Mm-hmm. Um, Hanjun Ryu looking slim and excited to get back in there. He spoke a lot about how he's changed his diet and he worked a lot in this um, in this recovery period to be ready to come back after the trade deadline and he looked good. Like, power to you, buddy. Like, he's putting the grind, putting the work together. Um, and so that could be an interesting 
you know, tidbit coming towards the trade deadline. I think we previously knew that that was his um, his goal or his plan to be back at that time, but mm-hmm. it looks like he's well on track. So that's a very big positive if he can come in and do something for this rotation because um, now Mitch White is back on the 60-day IL. So. Yeah, and, and Chad Green was also hanging around. Uh, could be a potential impact reliever mm-hmm. recovering from Tommy John himself. Uh, another guy, like the this would be... The, the whole goal for the Blue Jays right now should be, hey, can we be competitive at the trade deadline? Mm-hmm. Can we be competitive after the All-Star break? Because not because they have Hunjin Ryu and Chad Green waiting in the wings, but they have a couple guys that if one of them is able to recover and rehab and be able to contribute at the major league level, where that's kind of like your free deadline acquisition mm-hmm. where you have a, a, a shot in the arm, whether it's in your bullpen or you're moving someone out of the starting rotation to the bullpen because Hunjin Ryu is uh, is starting games for you. I think it's a little bit hopeful, especially with Ryu. I think Chad Green maybe is a slightly, slightly more. I think he's a, a little bit ahead of him, right? And just like the job is different. Yeah. Like Ryu's got to fully stretch himself out. And mm-hmm. if he's going to start games, like it seems like a, a taller task. But yeah, if they can hang around and be a viable team come the trade deadline, well, you kind of have free acquisition then, which yeah. is nice. It's, yeah, it's like a little bonus. Um, we're going to do some Blue Jays thoughts. Uh I guess we're at the, what, uh, first quarter mark-ish, uh, Ish, roughly, yeah. mm-hmm. um, of the Blue Jays season. Uh, we'll go through a couple thoughts and ponderings on that. But I think, for me, one of the biggest things, before this game got out of hand and it became 20-1, to 1, there was a stretch there where my biggest takeaway watching last night was this was huge for George Springer. He had been a guy that I think a lot of people were starting to to really feel I'd become like a... Not a negative of this roster, but you need to pick it up. You can be... He was exactly be. replacement level that's if you it. look at Fangraph's war and leading into yesterday's game. your leadoff guy. Like, no, that is not George he Springer. He is the motor. He's the engine. He's a lot of things for this Blue Jay team. And if he's less than average, which statistically mm-hmm. he was, it's a big problem. So he did... He had a pretty great night last night before the position pitcher aspect of the game. So I think that that is... Certainly a positive that we're trying to glean like real things from last night's game. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it starts with George Springer. Starts with seeing him at the bat, look uh, at the plate, looking more comfortable. I know he's dealt with a little bit of injury bug and a little bit of sickness bug, um, but if he's starting to turn the corner and look like a healthy George Springer, I think that that is a serious point of let's turn this stretch around. Let's start to string together some wins or some competitive games. Uh, if George Springer is looking like he did last night against real pitchers, that's a really big positive for me. Yeah, this Blue Jays team's not talented enough offensively at least for Springer, Bo, and Vlad to all struggle or for two of the three to struggle, mm-hmm. and that's kind of been the case. Like Springer, as we mentioned, it's been a real struggle all season. Vlad's not been the Vlad of... He's been the Vlad of last year rather than the Vlad of two years ago, which is a problem, and Bo's been really, really good. But it seems like two of the three of them have to be like pretty, pretty elite for you to not lose something offensively. And they lost something offensively over the offseason when they traded Teo and they traded Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Like, it's a bit of a different team. You can't rely on the, the depths of the lineup to pick you up every single night. And you're going to feel, at least compared to last season, the slumps of Springer, the slumps of Bo, the slumps of Vlad. And the guy who's been wearing it the most this season certainly has been George Springer, and he's got to get going. And, of course, there are excuses built in. Hopefully it's not, mm-hmm. hey, this guy's getting older, and this guy was sick for a long period of time, and right. it actually affected him, which it has. Like, I'm not saying it hasn't, but this was always sort of the balance, right? You sign him to this this long-term deal in free agency. 
Um, there was always, like John Tavares, the opportunity or the, the the chance that you see him really tail off in the final few years of his contract. From a timeline standpoint, it doesn't really jive all that perfectly. Uh, but if he can hold on, the longer he holds on, the longer that he's productive, the longer that he's elite, which he still can be, uh, it gives the Blue Jays a chance to be a good team. Also, Springer is like one of the heartbeats and leaders of this team. And I think even if your performance is the best of the best or the, or as we just saw slumping, you need this guy to be in a good mindset, I think to help lead this team. And I think he tries his best regardless of how he's performing offensively. I mean, obviously defensively he always puts an effort in, but just to see him having some, you know, real happiness back and, and proof that he can perform at this high level. I think that would be big for the blue Jays. Like, I don't think that the vibes have been off. Like it's hard to tell when you're losing a lot of games, but I think last season we started to talk about like the what the vibe is with this team. I haven't felt like things were going downhill or south. I don't know if you felt the same way. Like when you look at the the camera cuts of the bullpen, of the clubhouse, the dugout. Like I haven't seen like, I mean, there was, who was at the smash the iPad? Was that? Chris Bassett? Chris Bassett, yeah. Yeah, that was kind of funny, though. And then, obviously, <laughs> like, I'm like, all right, you can do that. Yeah. Um, and then Snyder last weekend um, with some comments, like, he was a little bit frustrated. But I feel like things have been pretty good considering the way that the Blue Jays have been playing. And I think that has to do with, you know, the leadership. And we talked a lot about losing some of the leadership last year, losing some of those vibes, guys. Mm-hmm. I think Springer will be essential to, to having him play well and also be a good leader for this team. So if that's a big positive from last night, I'm all for it. That's a real thing. Yeah, in terms of momentum and things carrying over, I think the strongest argument would be George. Mm-hmm. It would be, okay, he's feeling good. He's feeling better. He's productive again. Maybe he can carry that over. If he can carry that over, things can remain contagious and you can carry momentum from one game to the other. I think he's like a massive, massive key in that. And I think Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is a key in that Mm -hmm. as well. And again, I don't know if that Grand Slam can really change anything other than a mental mindset, but it's not a bad thing. It can be like I have never played in a hockey game where it was 20 to one, but there are times where, you know, it's like a stats night, you know, you're. You get a couple pad stats. What was the team you beat up on in uh, at Dartmouth? Ooh. Or Ryerson, either way. Ooh. TMU. I don't know, man. There wasn't a bad team in the circuit? I'm trying to think about it. I mean, no, it was pretty competitive in an NCAA. I'm trying to think. I'll get back to you on that one. Okay. But there, but already you do, washed away but from you, the memory. But eh? you do know the teams that you you perform well against, right? Yeah, yeah individually, yeah. Yes, I, I remember Does those. Does anyone feel that about Tampa Bay, though? No, but that's why I think even last night, as I said, like the first team in God knows how long that got 20 runs at the drop. I know that, yeah, that most of them or half of them were against uh, position players. But regardless of that, like you come into today and I think maybe you have a little bit of you're gripping the bat a little bit less tight, right? Like you're thinking, okay. We put up 20 runs last night. Nine of them were, let's say, less legitimate. It doesn't matter. Like, sometimes you just need to put the puck in the net. You need to get the monkey off the back. You need to, mm-hmm. you know, cash in on a points night. So if that's kind of the way the Blue Jays are evaluating last night, like, I remember feeling like, oh, it's good to good to get on the score sheet. So everybody got on the score sheet somehow last night. I think that that can only bode well, but you do bring up a good point about tonight is a completely different script. You got Kikuchi against uh, McClanahan, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
this is game three of four. You've now tied this little one up, um, and then you've got two more opportunities. You've got to win this series. Like, the Blue Jays have been pretty bad against AL East divisional uh, opponents. This is important for not only the standings, but for momentum. they got the Twins this weekend. I think that tonight is where you have to see, like, you can't let last night creep into you in terms of lack of effort or lack of attention to detail. Like, you leave yesterday at the ballpark, you take the positives from it, you take the confidence that maybe you got at the plate and maybe a little bit of the good the good vibes, the good juju, but tonight is, like, it's not going to be 20 to 1. You know, it's a completely different game, so you need to find the tiny little things to bring over, but also reset and be dialed in mentally because you know that Tampa's going to be like that. Yeah, and Tampa's prepared itself for the final two games of the series. Uh, Like it or not, um, this was a move for today and tomorrow, them putting in two position players than it was about last night. Of course, they had had, uh, raised the white flag with those two pitchers coming into the game. But this is kind of, I think this should be part of the conversation is like how we feel about position players coming in. Because for me, like, the, I don't really care. And it's not like I, like, enjoy it. Like, it wasn't like, oh, this is fun and this is funny. Like, I, I don't really, Do you think whatever. it's e-bug-esque conversation? It is. Yeah. And, and it's not, like, again, then, my thing with the e-bug is eventually it's going to be bad. And this mm-hmm. was kind of bad. I mean, they're going to, like, laugh about it and it's fine. But mm-hmm. they gave up 10 runs or whatever it was. Nine? Like, it was really, really ugly, right? 11 no, hits at 10, least. 10, yeah. Final 10, 10 runs, 11 runs. hits. So it's, like, it's, it's, it's kind of a, it is a farce. It's a massive, massive farce. But... They set themselves up now because they didn't have to tax their bullpen. And it kind of takes away from one thing I do like and appreciate about baseball and the way the season is and the way the schedule is set up is that every series is a series. It's not like, hey, they just play each other four times in a row. No, you're trying to beat the other team in that series. You are trying to uh, not let what happened on Thursday affect you on Sunday because you had to tax your bullpen. So that's why if you're the Blue Jays and you score 20 runs, yeah, it can have a, an effect on tomorrow because you made them use all their pitchers. You beat up their mm-hmm. bullpen and you can use that to your advantage the next day. The Rays basically nullify that advantage you create for yourself by putting two position players in so that it can save pitchers. And that's something that does bother me a little mm-hmm. bit. Like I think if... Major League Baseball has made all these different rules and all these, all these changes to the game. Like, I feel like there's a fix here. I feel well, like I there's... Think there is a, this is a rule, right? I think you can only put in position players when you're down eight runs. Now, is that? Daniele wrote in our doc for me here. I wasn't um, aware of that. Under the new guidelines, trailing teams can only use a position player if they are trailing by eight or more runs. So, hence why we saw Rayleigh and Bethancourt on Tuesday. Again, that's the only situation you ever do that, though. Like, so maybe that, you're down so seven and you can't do well, that's it. That's why, like, I, like, I feel like I don't have, I, I I, kind of enjoyed it. I enjoyed it because it doesn't happen. It's just like the e-bug doesn't happen often. It like, happens more than you we think. We saw the e-bug a lot this season. It, this happens more than the e-bug. And this happens, obviously, way more than the e-bug. But it hasn't happened enough for the Blue Jays that I feel like I'm like, oh, the, the, the value of the, the Purity of baseball is gone. It's, it's not even purity. It's not, it, it is actual competition. Like this and, helps and I the do Rays get that, today. For sure. Because they didn't have to but use their guys But what if it was yesterday. the Blue Jays? Would you still feel I, I the would same probably, way? I wouldn't be as like uh, butthurt about it, I guess. But I still, the, I, the take remains. I don't think you should be allowed to do it because it's not about just that game. It's about the series. These are important games in the American League East. Like if the Blue Jays could gain something yesterday for today, they deserve that, at least in my opinion. So I, I, I Would just... you rather a, like a mercy rule? Didn't they have no, that in the World no, Baseball because Classic? because the, the same thing applies. <laughs> I, I, honestly, I don't think the mercy rule is a terrible idea. But 
for this argument that I'm laying out, Mm -hmm. that just gets you off the hook as well. What I'd like you to do is tax two more relievers so that they're not available tomorrow. I agree with that, but I don't think that's... Why? That's not, that, to me, that's not far-fetched at all. You think that could be a... I mean, it's, I it's, it's a good I think debate. it's really, really easy. You have available and unavailable pitchers on your lineup card mm-hmm. every day. You have to go through every available pitcher, which means you can't just like not have Jordan Romano on there and not use him just because you don't want mm-hmm. to. No, he's available if the situation calls for it, which means he should go out there before Whit Merrifield goes out there, at least in my opinion. <laughs> available, unavailable. If you run through all the, unav- or the availables then sure, you can go to your pitching staff because you have gutted through it. And I get people will skirt those rules too and say unavailable when they actually could be available. But if you're in a tie game late, well, yeah, you tie can't game predict in the 12th if it's going to be 20 to 1. No, and you've scratched mm-hmm. out Jordan Brown and you can't use him yeah. because you've listed him as unavailable. I, I, and that that's the way to like safeguard from, okay, this guy's pitched seven days in a row. Mm-hmm. That's not fair on him. And you're going to get injuries that way. You already weren't going to put him in. But but you had the Tampa Bay Rays had pitchers that could have pitched last night, and instead they'll pitch tonight, and that'll put them in a position to win tonight's game. That's the that's how sport goes. That's why the Blue, I suppose the Blue Jays cashed in, and they'll take their positives, a couple extra bonus runs, and their run differential <laughs> increased significantly last night, and, and decreased for the Rays. I don't like they were running away with it. I there assume in terms of the the Major League <laughs> Baseball. Uh, run differential title. That's a that's a big hit yesterday. So, five, but it doesn't matter to them. No. What matters is today yeah. to, the, to Kevin. A Cash loss the is a loss, and a win is a win. When you look at the standings, it's not going to be like, oh yeah, you won twenty to one that one time. A win's a win, but yeah, today is kind of the pivotal one. It's game three of four. This is back to a zero zero game. You've got a full healthy bullpen. If you're the Tampa Bay Rays and the Blue Jays have a little bit of extra. Good vibes, maybe today. But five ninety five ninety, I think it's a great debate. Justin lays out his position players. How do you feel about it? Having them pitch, having a game where ten extra runs were scored by the Blue Jays because of these two guys that had to strut themselves out to the mound and take one for the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that a potential rule change you want to see? Yeah, you mentioned MLB's made a lot lately. This was a tweak. Maybe they need to tweak it further. Um, let us know your thoughts. Five ninety five ninety. So as I mentioned, we're about a quarter of the way through the Blue Jays season. So Justin with the puns, he proposed this little segment. Justin, punny Justin. Do you want to? You, you don't wanna, have to peel back the curtain. Yeah. Do you want to introduce it? It's good. <sighs> okay. We were going to do surprises <laughs> or unexpected things for this season. Mm-hmm. So my idea was we do out of the blue for the Blue Jays. I out like of the blue it. Bracket Jays. I really like so it. So what's out of up. the blue this season so far? Positive and negative. Positive and negative. Because we did our preseason predictions. We do our preseason, um, you know, potential awards we want to give out. We're about a quarter of the way through. Instead of doing just re- regular report cards and writing through it, because uh, it can be skewed a little bit. This is the out of the blue. And I think it has been a season full of surprises, like across the board, as you mentioned, good and bad. There have been things that we didn't expect. There have been things that we have expected. Maybe the thing that was like most predictable was the record, where they stand. Not where they stand in the American League East, because that's been a surprise Mm -hmm. how good it's been. But just like, you know, a little bit better than average and and putting themselves in a position to be a good team, but definitely not a juggernaut by any stretch of the imagination. So it's been a season of, you know, kind of ups and downs, surprises, non-surprises. But I think there's a lot to underscore when looking at like what was a season that started with uh, a bunch of unknowns. Okay, well, I think for me, I don't want to start negative, um, but it's got to be Alec Manoa. Um, If I felt 
most confident about one person coming into the season, it was probably Alec Manoa. The way he ended last year, yeah, I know the uh, the start in the playoffs wasn't great, but he was a Cy Young candidate. Yep. He was a guy that is still young in his career, wanted to be the face of this franchise, has really like leaned into being the ace, um, him and obviously uh, Gosman kind of battling it out for that one. Um, but I was really high on Alec Manoa. I think most people were. Um, yeah, but this has been a, a pretty disappointing start to his season. He's got a negative war, uh, mm-hmm. 0.4. Versus what his career average is, 8.5. Like, it's a pretty significant difference. Obviously, we know his ERA is pretty uh, uncharacteristic. Five, uh, 5.15 ERA, his career is under three. So just numbers aside, like, yeah, it's not looking good on the score sheet. But he just looks like a guy that is struggling in most aspects of being a pitcher. Um, that is pretty difficult. It's not just like one thing that he needs to, to shape up here. It's looking like we're having conversations about even sending Alec Benoa down, putting him in on the IL, uh, putting him in the bullpen. Like, that is a pretty drastic change of how I thought Alec Manoa's season would start. Um, so if I'm looking at something out of the blue, it is the way that Alec Manoa started the season. Good thing is it is early enough. Um, there can be time for change. If the rest of the rotation is steadying out, which I'm feeling like it is, which can be a good positive here, I think there's time for Alec Manoa certainly to be able to turn it around. But, God, a disappointing start nonetheless for Alec Manoa and probably the most out of the blue for me. Yep, dead last among qualified starters in Fangraph's war, his ERA and walk rate through the moon. It's You don't even need really the stats, though, yeah. because you just watch him and you watch more specifically the batters he's facing, not bite, not even uh, offer at the pitch. That was the wipeout for him last year, which was that slider. Like er, His weapons are not the same as they once were when he was finishing in the top three in American League Cy Young voting. So if there's anything that's like, reversed that changed completely complete 180 it's been alec manoa who was the guy last year for this jays team i guess in tandem with kevin gosman even so like kevin gosman was brilliant but he was a little bit better at least among voters and and maybe even statistically as well in a lot of ways uh and now he's a major major issue for this team and it can still be turned around and he's been a little bit better yeah uh, or at least wasn't Baby his steps. last start. Um, he, but there's still a long path back to respectability here. Yeah, ba- barely getting through five innings, looking out of sorts, lost his command, like walking guys at alarming rate, as you mentioned. It is very uncharacteristic of Alec Manoa, even in a, a young season uh, and a young career for him. So out of the blue, but time to turn it around. Okay, my first out of the blue. This is good. This is good. I'll, yeah, I'll give yourself some credit. It's better this way when you say it. This is my out of the blue. Uh, my out of the blue. Uh, first one is just how pedestrian this lineup is. Now, last mm. night didn't do me any favors, but... Sp- I know, I wrote a lot of these before they won 20 to 1, yeah, so context but, is important. I'm just going to roll with what I... Stats are self-serving. So prior to last night, when I was doing this work yesterday, before the game, <laughs> the Blue Jays were ninth in the American League in home runs, eighth in runs scored, seventh in slugging percentage. Um, the lefty mix just has not worked yet we all or to for the extent... It. With Varsho and Belt mm-hmm. laboring through prolonged slumps. Springer, as I mentioned, we were talking about him earlier, has been replacement level, and he's one of your few superstars, one of your lead dogs, one of the players that has to be great for you to be great. Uh, this lineup hasn't had the same pop, hasn't had the same uh, cachet as last year. It is lesser than when compared to last season, mm-hmm. and I guess that could have been predicted, but... I didn't. I, I was more hopeful than that. So it is out of the blue for me that this lineup 
is considerably worse or has performed considerably worse than it did last year and that it just simply has not measured up when looking around the American League and more specifically the American League East. Like it has to be better if they're going to be able to mm-hmm. compete in this division because you look at the Tampa Bay Rays and it's like, wow, like three, look at or, Baltimore three Orioles. or four players in the top 10 of war. Baltimore Orioles have guys on guys on guys and we're bringing up the Ernie Clements of the world. Shout out to Ernie Clement. Got a hit last night as well. But like, I'm just not convinced that he's going to be a difference maker for you in the immediate future. It seems like the Orioles have those guys in abundance and the Yankees and Red Sox, despite like concerns about them dipping or paying too much money for, for some, uh, some players, Aaron Judge in particular, or going through a complete role reversal as the Red Sox have done a li- at least a little bit recently, they still maintain a line that the Blue Jays are having difficulty surpassing at this moment. And it, they've got to be better offensively. And right now they've been pretty, pretty pedestrian. Yeah, you kind of combined two of mine. Um, one for me was just the offense in general being uh, pedestrian, underwhelming. Um, I kind of had Vladimir Guerrero Jr. as like the guy that I need more from. Obviously, we just talked about I George got Vladdy Springer. Too. Yeah, Let's so, talk about Vladdy. Okay, so George Springer, obviously, we, we just touched on him, and he had a, a good game last night, so hoping that that turns something around. But uh, Vladdy, the question if we need to maybe reevaluate him and our expectations of him. And I, I worry about saying that because he can easily turn, turn around, but I also think that it's valid at this point. Um, just not seeing the same power hitter that we saw in uh, 2021, right? Uh, when he had his MVP caliber year, he had OPS over a thousand. I know some of these stats. I was what he was hitting 311. He had this was a year where he had like 40 something home runs. Mm-hmm. He was playing in Dunedin and uh, Buffalo for some of those games. I'm um, not going to devalue the stats, but it is important to to consider where he's at now. A weird year. Yeah, he's hitting under 300. This is before last night. Uh, OPS around 857 home runs. I just think you need more from your superstar. He is supposed to be what one of the best talents in this league. Haven't seen it at a consistent rate this year. I think the offense in general we can lump into that, but I'm going to give one guy a little bit of um, attention, and that for me is Vladdy. I, I, I kind of compared it to we're complaining about Austin Matthews scoring 30 goals, right? But it's because he's a guy that should score 50, 60 goals. So I, I kind of put Vladdy in that same conversation. It's like when Austin Matthews we're trying to have that conversation like, well, yeah, you should be happy with him scoring 30. It was like, well, you know that he's a guy that can score 50, 60. Mm-hmm. And so like Bo Bichette is kind of the Mitch Marner of last season, right? When you compare these two, um, the way that, that I'm trying to put it in like a little bit of context. But yes, Vladdy can be and should be one of the best players in this league. And we haven't seen it yet this season. And he hasn't been supported much offensively from the rest of the team. But yeah, I just want more from Vlad. And as we say, there's lots of time left in the season or at the quarter of the way mark but attention should be on that for sure yeah i think the offseason changes made it so that vlad had to be more 2021 than 2022 mm-hmm. right like he had to be better than he was last year if you were going to make up for some of the power lost uh and and to this point in the season it's been more of last year than it was two years ago uh average up a little bit but power down mm-hmm. and you know, he hit one last night, softball style, but had seven home runs and almost 200 plate appearances coming yep. in. And I guess my out of the blue on Vladdy is that he's fallen somewhere short of the superstar status. Yep. Like he's a great player still. He's the Austin Matthews 30 to 40 goal season, mm-hmm. which is great. Like you need guys like that. You need Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s. 
Um, but is he Aaron Judge? Is he the guy that goes into Yankee Stadium or Fenway and is the sole reason that the home team loses three or four? Mm-hmm. He hasn't like that hasn't been the vibe around Vladdy for a little bit. And it is concerning. It's a little out of the blue that this guy probably is settling into what he is rather than that outlier season, which we thought he might be able to repeat. So I'm completely in agreement with giving him a little bit of attention in terms of areas to improve on out of the blue, not my biggest out of the blue, but certainly one of them. Um, I have just one more in terms of something we touched on was the AL East in general. Um, I, I wanted to look at the way that the ballpark has performed because I think we we spent a lot of time saying that, wow, it's just going to be a hitter's paradise at home at the Rogers Center. That's a good one. The Blue Jays are 25th in the league in home runs at home. Mm -hmm. 20 home runs at home. 25th in the league. I think it's out of the blues to suggest, like, it hasn't changed anything. Yeah. Like, to the average fan, I don't think you anything would really change other than how it looks. It's going to be a home run derby at the Rogers Center and hasn't seen that so far. But a lot of that also has to do with the fact that the offensive numbers for the Blue Jays are down a little bit as well. But I I thought out of the blue, it was going to be like just 20 to 1 every night for the Toronto Blue Jays at the Rogers Center. But 25th at home. And and not even just for the Jays. Like it doesn't seem like everyone's like Aaron Judge's home runs when he came Mm -hmm. through the Rogers Center last week. They were absolute no doubt bombs to the center to center field. Like it's not like guys are just lifting balls over that short porch in right field. It's not happening that way like we might have thought it would. Um, Do you have any more? Yeah, uh, I don't think I have a pause. I don't have many positives. I have some positives. I don't have many. Okay. But I'm going to go to my semi-positive. Matt Chapman's been a little out of the blue. He's come down to earth just a little bit. But right now, if you look at the the totality of his season, he's been one of the best hitters in the American League and one of the best hitters in baseball. But I guess, like, kind of my, oh, there's a little bit of negative here. But it's a positive. Is that he could be an incredible trade chip Mm. because this guy doesn't have a contract. He's got an agent named Scott Boris. (laughs) This team is looking like, hey, it might need like a little refresh if it fails this year in some way or another. And if you really wanted to kickstart some of that, Matt Chapman would be the jewel of the deadline if you wanted to look at it that way. I don't know if we're going to get to that point, but if the Blue Jays are not not non-competitive because they're going to be competitive, but if they're fourth in the AL East, and they're just kind of like sniffing around and not in playoff position. Mm-hmm. And it gets to the point where you're, you know, Noah hasn't regressed positively. And y- you just don't have the pitching. At least it seems like it's clear you have to buy if you want to be good and you want to contend with a team like Tampa Bay. Maybe they should be looking at seeing if they can cash that chip in because signing him to a major deal. Where does that leave Bo and Vlad and, and the future and Manoa? And I guess Manoa's maybe made things a little easier that way recently. But I, I just don't know how you can back the Brinks truck up on Matt Chapman right now. Okay, we'll pause on that one until closer to the trade deadline. How about that? Okay. Um, but it's our, good that he's performing oh, such yeah, a great level. Yeah, no, no. That's a positive, what do they call it? A catch-22. There you go. That's it. Um, okay, quickly, I have two more. Uh, just one more, actually. One and a half more. Okay. Chris Bassett, uh, an out of the blue positive for me. Mm-hmm. Um, also, didn't really know what to expect from Chris Bassett, so I think that that's part of it. Uh, but he's got a 303 ERA. Stats are looking good, but the eye test is looking good, too, because he's been... The eye test looks better. Yeah, he's been 
incredible at keeping the Blue Jays in games. He doesn't allow many runs. Um, he's been a good stopper when the Blue Jays aren't able to be offensive powerhouses. He's giving them an opportunity to win the game every time he's in there. Obviously, we just saw he had a pretty long scoreless streak as well. He had a complete game, but I mean, that's skewed a little bit in the last couple performances. But I like the way Chris Bassett handles himself on the mound. He's looked like a guy full of confidence. Um, looks like a, a really good unsung gem maybe that we hadn't expected in this rotation when you know Alec Manoa has had a pretty bad start. Um, and also just the bounce back from Chris Bassett who had probably the worst mm-hmm. ever debut <laughs> yeah. this season and the way he's turned it around, like that takes a lot of mental fortitude. I know it's one game, but that stuff can linger with you. And he just looks like a guy that has swept that away and he has come to perform and to, to give this Blue Jays team a chance to win every time he's out there. So um, out of the blue, a good one for me. Yeah, he's still working his way back statistically from mm-hmm. that that debut and that's why the numbers don't tough. look as good as the eye test because yeah, the we've, eye kind test of, is good. we've wiped that from our memory just a little bit and we've seen what we've seen from him uh, in recent starts when they don't overlap with with uh, Maple Leafs games like they did forever. <laughs> um, but yeah, only seven pitchers as of yesterday had pitched more innings than Chris Bassett, which is fantastic. Um, and I just never had him pegged as a guy when they signed him that could threaten the scoreless inning streak right. that the Blue Jays had. And it was an error, and I guess that he gave up a couple earned runs, but it was an error that mm-hmm. broke up that streak uh, from Vladdy the other night. So uh, yeah, I think he's been massive. He's been... I don't know where this rotation is without him because Mitch White's not even been available. But who who would it be? Uh, they would have to wait. Go, yeah, they would have to go outside the organization. <laughs> I guess if it wasn't Chris Bassett, anyway. But they would be in deep trouble with Manoa's struggles mm-hmm. uh, and the lack of depth in terms of starting rotation options if Bassett wasn't really really good. Last one for me. Out of the blue, the Toronto Blue Jays fans absolutely blowing away the expectations in terms of loony dog consumption. It has been... Without you the other night. It has been stunning. The performance that the Blue Jays fans are putting in is top of the charts. It is leading the league, MLB high. Two loony dogs games so far. We're at 112,000 dogs consumed in two games. The dogs per fan rate is way higher than expected. I did these preseason analysis. I ran the numbers. I used baseball reference, whatever those sites are, and we have just blown it away. It's scary. Looney Savant, you were on? Yes, (laughs) I should create my own site. (laughs) People have been showing up and housing dogs. What what is like the uh, per fan average? Do you have? 1.76. It's actually crazy. Why are you so quick with that? Yeah, because I got these numbers down. <laughs> you want to ask me Vladdy's batting average? Don't know it. So Do I know right the, now, the baseball Looney Dogs two numbers? Looney Dog I got nights, it. You said? Two so far. Next week is the next one. So there's one. been two. And so far, everyone who's walked through the turnstiles. Yes. If there are still turnstiles. I guess it's metal there detectors. There are, yes. Uh, 1.7 dogs per. It's beautiful. I think we started something special, and I just see it, it's growing. It's all over now. Everybody's part of Looney Dogs. I'm, I'm proud to have been a part of a small segment of people becoming a large segment. Of I think people. you made it what it was, to be honest. So, congrats. Keep it up next week on May 30th. Okay, one more out of the blue. Yes, negative two. Ooh, just a uh, Blue Jays are not a better defensive team. That's a little out of the blue, right? Bring in Kevin Kiermeyer, though. Kiermeyer and Varsho, and you get the sexy plays from Kiermeyer. Um, but like Bo, Vlad, the catching, there's yeah. been real issues defensively. 
Uh, and I expected this, like, when you're screaming the word fundamental from the top of the mountains in Dunedin all spring long, uh, mm-hmm. I expect something that's a little bit better than it was last year, and it hasn't been better than last year. Defensively, they've been worse from last season, which is a, a, pre- a real shocker given what they did from a personnel standpoint and what they've been trying to preach. Uh, one fan submission at 59590. You can always send in your thoughts, your texts. Rick in Markham. My out of the blue for this year's Nathaniel Pearson, nice. who has before I, our eyes matured into a, a grown man in the real life major league pitcher. I love that one. I, I'm i surprised you didn't have it, to be honest. I know. I was always saying Nate Pearson, eyeball mm-hmm. emoji. Glad to see that so far things have been out of the blue and unexpected. Uh, Rick and Markham, thank you for that. You can send that in at 59590. Simon and Shelburne raises a good point. We're talking about the runs and having position pitchers. Um, Jay's almost used Kikuchi to pinch run the other day. Probably shouldn't be able to do that, Simon and Shelburne. I can't tell if he's being sarcastic or not. No, they they. I know, but I oh. can't tell if he's being sarcastic if you should be able to. Um, whatever you think, folks. Anyway. He'll have to let us know. 590, 590. Um, quickly, we want to touch on a couple of Leafs things. We can continue that throughout the show, but we have um, Ben Ennis going to join us, host the fan drive time, of course, at 7. We'll go through kind of a, the whole gamut of Toronto sports. We've got some Raptors stuff to talk about. We'll have Michael Grange on as well at 7.30. And then the guy we spent... Uh, a little bit of time on yesterday is going to join us. Bruce Boudreaux. Mm-hmm. Maybe the newest manager, WWE. WWE what are they called? Superstars? <laughs> WWE superstars. He might be a part of it. He's going to join us at 8. We'll have a wake and rake, uh, including the Chuck Schwab picks. I got to get back in the Fanex Cup standings. Um, so we'll take all of your submissions at 590-590. But Kyle Dubas broke his silence, which wasn't very long, um, yesterday releasing a statement on Twitter. Um, won't read the whole thing because I'm sure people have been able to peruse said mm. statement. I've perused. Um, but we will roll from here. Dubis saying, uh, taking the high road for sure. That's the easy way to na- analyze this. Um, saying that he's not going to get into the, quote, reasonable and cons- consistent but private discussions. Um, and then he... Kind of thanks the organization, says that him and his family are ready to move on. Did not thank Brendan Shanahan. No, he did not um, by name, but, you know, just said that he learned a lot and grew a lot, as we mentioned yesterday, and we will roll from here. We will roll from here. It, it depends on whether you like Dubas or hate Dubas, that you, how you react to will, mm-hmm. we will roll from here. I'm sure the people that are in Dubas's camp will be like, wow, love Dubas. Bold. So classy. You got it, buddy, classy. So classy, so cool. And the people that hate him will like, roll from here, like, scoff at that. Uh, yeah, but he's not going to match Shanahan's dirty laundry, I suppose. That's really mm-hmm. the only thing to get from that. Uh, I think he's in a good spot, clearly. He's the hottest prospect in the managerial game, you would assume, unless you want to put that label on Eric Tulski, and things are going to be okay for Kyle mm-hmm. Dubas. He will, in fact, roll from here. The question is, where will he roll to? Looks like rolling to Pittsburgh, possibly. Um, there are some... Great tidbits from Elliot Friedman's 32 Thoughts, which he posted, I believe, at 11.30 last night. So if you haven't had a chance to go scroll, that's online. 18 Thoughts. Yes. he Shortchanged us slightly. He was a little bit busy. He only got uh, about 18 18 thoughts instead of 32. But we'll take whatever thoughts that Elliot has. Mm -hmm. Um, And there was another little tidbit related to Dubis I wanted to read. He mentions that... He wanted to clarify the, the people thinking that Dubas wanted to, like, absurp. I've used some big words. Usurp. Yeah, usurp. Wow, I almost tried that one. Usurp. 
Brendan Shanahan. <laughs> but what happened was he wanted a seat at the table. So Wow, I view submit That one I wasn't prepared for. Sometimes they just come out and you're like, ah, screw it. Um mm. so yes, Dubis wanted a seat at the table. He didn't want to, you know, jump over and take Brendan Shanahan's job. He wanted the opportunity to to be there to help streamline the decisions instead of having the hierarchy go from him to Shanahan to the board and back down again. So he does clarify that. Um, he did say that Brad Trey Living is here in Toronto, going to be interviewing this week uh, along with some other candidates. Obviously, he's not the only one, but he's very high on the candidate list. Um, and that, yes, the Penguins are interested in Kyle Dubas. Mm-hmm. So there are some more tidbits in there. Um, but you take a look at 32 Thoughts um, online, the written version, 18 Thoughts. Always. We're going to have to pound the pavement, find out where True Living's staying, get some information. Let's see if he wants to join the fan morning show. Yeah, we could put in the answer. You never know. Um, also, Elliot says this, and I thought this was funny, a little tidbit to take you into your day. Uh, if the Leafs didn't draft Matthew Nyes at 57th, in the draft, that the Penguins were ready to take him at 58. So they're already sharing a brain. There you go. They don't even need Dubas. They're right on the money with Matthew Dyes. Will they, like the Leafs, one day sour on Kyle Dubas? Oh, goodness. That's dark. Eh. Um, all right. Lots to come today. Um, we didn't even get to touch on the Dallas Stars in that fiasco of last night. Uh, embarrassing performance from their fan base. Tossing beer cans. Oh, yeah. It started with the, the captain early on in the game with an absolute boneheaded play. I, I just was stunned that you would do such a thing. Big boneheaded as, Yeah, it was just, it was brutal. Very stupid. Very stupid. Um, then the, the fans kind of followed suit. They were throwing beer cans from the rafters, pretzels, popcorn bags on the Vegas Golden Knights. Nonetheless, they take a 3 nothing lead. Both conference finals are 3 nothing. Um They shut out the Stars last night on home ice, and they're looking like they're right on the cusp of making the Stanley Cup final. The Boston Celtics, though, made it so that not every conference final in the NHL and NBA would be a sweep. That is nice. They got a win in Miami last night to push it back to Boston. Now it gets a little interesting, right? Seven and a half point favorites for the Celtics in game five. Yeah, I don't think it's that interesting. It could be. I mean, they, they're mathematically right now. I mean, I, I understand the ESPN analytics were 97% <laughs> yeah, Miami. Crazy. But, uh, you know, there's a high likelihood they win game five. I mean, maybe there's a series in the conference finals after. All right. Well, I hope for more sports. So I will take your word for it and hope that maybe one of these hockey teams can win a game and make it a 3-1 series so we get a little bit lengthier time to watch hockey. But nonetheless, uh, 3 nothing for the Golden Knights last night and a tough performance from the Stars and their fan base all along. Um, okay, before we get to Ben Ennis at 7, we've got a baby A-list on the other side of the break. Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Now, it's time for hey, yo. the A-List. Bing bong, bing bong, bing bong. What's up, baby? Okay, Justin hit the uh, driving range yesterday, and I'm itching to get out on the course. And folks, finally, I know I talked about this ooh, a month and a half ago. I went and got clubs fitted. I went through the whole process. I went and spent... Six hours, that's a bit of exaggeration. Probably more like four hours, but still a long time. That is a long time. At Golf Town. And I went and I learned so much about my swing and my performance. Was it like a pseudo lesson? Were there like lesson vibes to it? I think I tried 250 different clubs. <laughs> like it was crazy. Anyway. But like, was there like, hey, just, uh, you know. 
Well, not really. Because your, change your grip a little bit that way. Well, like little tweaks, but like also they want to know how you're going to swing this club when you go out when you get the club. So I got clubs fitted a little while ago. They finally have arrived, and now oh, I'm itching to get out there. But you went yesterday. You're golfing today. Uh-huh. We're going to try to make a weekly. Might be a lot, but bi-weekly golfing outing here. We'll see. The, the Wednesday the Wednesday game is going to be a thing. I, I'm all for it, but we're gonna you're fi- going to It might not be every Wednesday, me. but we'll figure we'll yes. figure it out. So yeah, I didn't know you were ready. It's okay. Well, I got brand new clubs. I'm kind of like, I want to go try them out, not with you. So I'm like, they looked Maybe good that's at, what I'm doing today at too. the simulator. I tell you that. Like I, I tried, I don't know, as I said, maybe 50 different tweaks of irons. And I end up with these ones that are like, oh, I felt like I was dialed. Like LPGA, where you at? Uh, yeah, there's some that's, there's some nice those are some clubs, legit clubs out there. That you got. I got some legit clubs. I spent I spent some hard earned money on them, and it was yeah. one thing that I wanted to Zero do for two. myself. I had never bought clubs; these were hand me downs for my brother. I went and got some, and I feel good about it. So now I'm going to get out there and use them um, soon. That's maybe my plan this weekend. Anyway, uh, where this all comes into conversation for the A list is Michael Block Block Party, mm-hmm. um, who's going to be a, at the Canadian Open mm-hmm. quite soon. Obviously, we, we got to get there, by the way. I'm already going. I won't talk about that. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, it was the story of the PGA Championship, of course, the block party. Uh, finished tie for 15th in Rochester. Kind of surprised everybody. We all know he was club pro. Anyway, he was offered $50,000 for his tailor-made sovereign iron that he used to ace the hole on the 15th uh, at Oak Hill. Somebody offered him $50,000 to buy it from him. Really? I'm like, you can, I need this to sell my gloves. If there's anyone out there on the simps that want to buy <laughs> a set of clubs for 50K, even $5, just five bucks, $50,000 for the tailor-made that he aced. I don't know if that's low-balling or that's like way ridiculous. Low-balling, that's like, why? It is a piece of golf history. I guess. And it's just a seven iron. Sell it. I mean, he could just, he because could do like he's two, not making he bank. could do two or three fittings. I got, uh, he could do, did you, did you name drop the story? I did. I, well, you could do a couple fittings there. He could fit his whole family with new golf clubs for that one seven iron. 50K can do a lot for you, especially a guy that hadn't won that much money like ever in his career and he just won a, a bunch of the PGA Championship, but still. We'll see if he's using it this weekend because he's, what, he's playing in the Schwab, isn't he? That, yeah, he's playing at the Schwab. I, I, that's, it's, He's got to, like, perform to make money at these events, right? Like, I think mm-hmm. he's probably getting some appearance fees or appearance, uh, what do they call those? You get those. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sponsorship deals? But when you appear and you get paid for it, is it an appearance fee? That kind of sounds like it, an appearance anyway, fee. He'd probably get, he's probably getting a little bit of cash, but, uh, you know, you got to cash in while you have the chance in that $50,000 for the 7-iron. Maybe be like, hey, call it two fifty and we'll talk. Like, I think he could probably... I don't know. It probably does. It probably belongs in a golf museum. He's no, not Tiger Woods. No, but it's like the. It's. But his... he's got the block party going. People yeah. want want a piece of the block party. The blockheads, fifty k. Some blockhead will pay a lot of money. for We that. gotta try to meet him at the at the Canadian Open. Well, I'm not How going. You're going. Well, we'll get you in there, Justin. Okay. I got new clubs now. <laughs> I just weasel my way. Remember when that one golf course was listening to our show and messaged us about golfing there? Yeah, we're gonna show up there and. Knock on some doors. We still we still have the tweet screenshotted. So (laughs) you're still interested. We'll just show them that (laughs) instead of paying. They wanted us to golf there. Yeah. Anyway, um, the block party is coming. He might be part of my picks for the Fan X Cup coming at eight 
Mm. 45 in the wake and rake. So you can send those picks in at 595.90. You got Jay's Rays. You got game, what, four of Canes and yep. Panthers. It could the be the end of the season, the end of the series for those guys. So send those in at 595.90. We both missed yesterday, but we're looking to bounce back. So Ben Ennis going to join us on the other side of the break. Uh, I think he's a golf guy, right? Big golf guy. Yeah, let's see what he thinks of the block party. If you'd pay 50K for that club. <laughs> That's next.